a playlist original. What's up? It's your host Tori and who is ready to be petty? Welcome back to another episode of RTBP. So glad you're here. Today Vanessa from the Best Week Ever podcast joins me and I'm so excited for you to hear our convo. A few things before we get started. I bought Beyond the Blinds live show tickets in DC which is so exciting. I'm meeting some podcasters some fellow podcasters and some internet friends on the east coast this summer and I like happened to be in Washington DC uh when they're doing the their live show so if you are going to that hit me up and we can go for some drinks or something beforehand later this week on the podcast I'm going to be covering the circle season four it's really fun so if you are watching the circle um look out for that obviously the special guest is nick and then i was on maddie's podcast parked car combos um if you're listening to this on sunday night god bless your soul i think her episode is going to come out on monday so (laughs) so when you're probably listening to this it's already out i'll put the link in the show notes And then one last thing, I am going to be doing an Instagram live review of the book The Reluctant Bride by Monica Murphy with Kelly from Boobies and Newbies podcast, who was my guest last week. If you enjoyed our chit chat, if you like reading romance novels, contemporary romance novels, etc., come join us. It's going to be so much fun. And I, I have done one Instagram live before in my life. It was like March 2020 like peak pandemic and me and my friend Kenzie just went on and we talked about like I think the Kanye Taylor like phone call drama which seems like a a freaking lifetime ago uh but maybe we'll do more of those in the future we'll see how this one goes but anyways that's May 25th at 5 p.m pacific it's gonna be super fun so read the book and come hang out with us okay last thing I want to say is if you're enjoying the podcast follow along with me on socials at rtbb podcast subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to this episode on and leave me a review on you know apple or spotify it helps the podcast find new listeners makes me feel good about myself (laughs) and it keeps this train you know chugging along okay that's it from me here is my combo with vanessa I'm back with a very special guest, Vanessa from the Best Week Ever podcast is here. Vanessa, how are you? Good. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. Me too. I'm so excited. I feel like we cover, like there's some realms that we really like overlap, but I feel like there's also pockets of pop culture that like we both delve into that are different from each other. So I'm excited to chat with you today. Yeah, I feel like we're... Definitely in the same um, eye to eye when it comes to like my worst week and your petty. Of the yes, yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. I love the concept of your podcast. Um, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about it and how you came up with it? Yeah, so I'm Vanessa and I love pop culture. I love talking about pop pop culture and I have a podcast called Best Week Ever. It's a homage to the 2000 show in the um, 
VH1. It was like the best mm-hmm. years of VH1 where they had Rock of Love and like Flavor Flav. They had I Love the 90s, 80s, and 70s. It was literally my Bible for me as a kid. <laughs> um, I like took all that pop culture, like I, I was a sponge to it. And the show is basically where we break down who in pop culture had the best and worst week ever. It's so much fun just because there's so much to discuss. Yeah, I. (laughs) it's crazy how I have to narrow it down and I miss some things and I'm like, oh, I missed that. But it was on my list. But yeah, to shorten it is kind of hard sometimes. I know. I feel like when I was on your podcast, I was like, anyways, this is like an honorable mention (laughs) of like best week ever and like. Yeah, just because the news cycle goes so quickly and there's so many highs and lows for all of the celebs we follow. Yeah, there would be something really cool happening on Monday and by Thursday, like nobody's talking about it. (laughs) Literally, it's so wild. I was thinking about that recently with the newest Kardashians episode because it was about Kris Jenner's birthday, which was the same night as the Astro World tragedy. Oh, wow. And just, like, how that was depicted on television. And then there was, like, a few news articles about it. But that was, like, Wednesday, Thursday, and now no one's talking about it. And it's just, I don't know. Things just move so freaking fast. That's so funny that you're mentioning the Kardashian. Um, Because I heard that the reason why they didn't release their show Um, right away is because the Kardashians wanted to be in charge of like the editing room and that took like two months for them to go through like log tapes I guess. Yes I heard that too because um, and I think I might have mentioned this when I did the Kardashians premiere episode but it was so weird because they released the announcement that the show was coming I think in February and then like there was posters etc not posters but like like uh, graphics yeah, yeah billboards that like said this date in February and then I think I had even written it down in my agenda because I am like old school and like use a paper agenda yeah and I was like hey premiere and then it kept getting pushed back And then all of the graphics changed to like just like coming soon. And then we got the April premiere date. So yeah, I I do believe that they did some like narrative switching about how Kendall was in Miami, but we know she was in Houston, like that type of stuff that is just, yeah, I don't know. It just gets overwhelmed. I mean, (laughs) whole thing just makes, it's just a confirmation that they moved their stories around because they probably had a lot of focus on Kylie and Travis. Interesting. Yes, that as well. And I feel like Chloe and Tristan too, because they filmed before the third child even happened. So um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you got into pop culture through VH1 and then nowadays is there like a favorite outlet that you keep up with it? Twitter, sadly, is what keeps me up. It's funny because I joined Twitter like 13 years ago and I joined it mostly because there was a lot of bands. I lived in New York City and there was a lot of bands on Twitter who would be like, hey, we're having a show here. I got to see John Mayer that way because John Mayer back then in the beginning of Twitter days, he was super like, he didn't care like if he got doxxed or not, yes. you know what I mean? Like he would literally see yeah. where he was and like, yeah, people would show up 
And from there, it just became my source of knowing everything so quickly in the in my fingertips, you know, and like rumors and blind items. I've also worked um, in video production. I was like a director's assistant and I've worked in film. I went to school for film. So that just like never left me ever, like being in the industry and hearing a lot of rumors. And then like later, years later, you hear that that was actually true. So it's just like mm-hmm. a small world. That's so cool. I feel like if I was in the film industry, I would be like one of NT Lawyer's like informants. <laughs> like the, a, a mole. Yeah. Be a mole. Yes. <laughs> like I would always just be like at craft services with like my ears like peeled. Dude, talking about NT, I don't want to like get off subject, but did you see about the Diana Jenkins post? Um, where called yes. out NT and basically said this yes. picture isn't even me. Like, I can't believe I'm being like discredited like this. That's yeah. the only reason why I know that little bit of it. Like, that's the only bit of information I know about Diana Jenkins. <laughs> yeah, neither do I. Do you want to tell the listeners like what that what she was referring yeah, to? Yeah. So NT. Um, Everybody, I guess everyone knows in like your uh, podcast that he is basically a blind item king. And um, he's always said that Diana Jenkins is part of like a madame kind of person where she has this really expensive book called Room 24, if that's correct. Yeah, Room 23. Okay, yeah. Um, and basically there's pictures of like Hayden Pattonier is one like person that has been rumored to be part of her escort madame crowd. Um, so that's always been a rumor. And apparently there was a picture that isn't, it doesn't even look like her. Quite honest. Yeah, it's definitely not her. And, and it's yeah. the picture of Jeffrey Epstein and I don't know who else is next to that him. Donald, oh, Donald that, Trump. That, okay. I saw it quickly. Yeah. I saw the caption with NT and like I read it right away that I didn't even see the picture. <laughs> but yeah, so she's been critically acclaimed with these rumors and now she's going to be a housewife for Beverly Hills and all this tea is just spilling over from like blind items. And I think she wants to like set the record straight saying that she's not affiliated with this crowd. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. So I guess the book, which I didn't know, I thought it was just like a coffee table book of like pictures, I think in like the Beverly Hills Hotel Mm -hmm. or like Chateau Marmont or something like a famous bougie hotel in LA. And but apparently it was like a book, yeah, that depicted women that provided escort services and then like George Clooney and stuff was in it too like I guess to show what type of clientele is there or whatever so it's so interesting and then yeah she's gonna be on Beverly Hills and so I guess she wanted to get ahead of the press yeah she definitely did because people have already been talking the minute that she was announced to be a housewife Yes, yes. And then she like literally added NT Lawyer, which again, like usually in the blind item world, I don't think it usually gets directly called out by celebrities. So it was really 
interesting, but I think that they're really having a mainstream moment. Like Kim Kardashian mentioned Dumois in uh, her Not Skinny But Not Fat interview. Dumois is mentioned on Summer House all the time. And then this Diana Jenkins thing, I feel like blind items are just like the moment right now. It's funny too, because just because I guess you and I, we know blind items, but there's a lot of people when I bring it up, they're like blind items. Like what does that mean? And like, I just open a whole new world. You know, I broke the fourth wall for them. (laughs) Yes. I was on the phone with my mom and my sister yesterday and blind items came up and my little sister was like, what is that? And then my mom was like, well, because of Tori's podcast, I can tell you it's like this, this, and this. (laughs) I was like, oh, yay. Like someone's learning. I'm like, I can't believe that's the thing I taught you. Like of all things. Well, that's good because people need to know like um, my fiance's, like my soon to be mother-in-law didn't know that Kris Jenner like has basically a fast line to TMZ to just like, give them fake news to distract them you know what I mean yeah with the whole um going back to astral world with um mm-hmm. the injections do you remember that there was a rumor or someone came mm-hmm. out saying like oh someone was injecting stuff on people's like necks or bodies and then it came out to say allegedly because I don't want to be in trouble yeah. that Chris Jenner fed that to TMZ to distract the whole astral world fiasco like it definitely opens up like a dark side of Hollywood that I like wish I didn't know but it also does make you just more like media literate when you know what people have the potential of doing the media is crazy commercials make me feel weird I have I don't have cable haven't had cable in over a decade and the only time I do see commercials is like sports when I have to go to a friend's house and like they have cable it just makes me like watching a commercial now I'm like I don't know why it makes me, I don't know if it's because I know the dark side to it of like trying to manipulate people, but yeah, like the more and more I get older, the more I get, I question things when it's fed to us. You know what I mean? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I recently read a study and this surprisingly, I'm not quoting a TikTok. This actually was a study in the news, but it was like only like uh, 15% of college aged people can spot an ad in like certain um, social media posts and like 85% couldn't and like I was like oh my god that's maybe we have an over like we think we're better than we are at spotting media manipulation it's everywhere like once you once you see it you can't help but like see it everywhere and it gets a little disturbing it's probably why I live where I live it's like a bubble here it's a sleepy Mm -hmm. beach town and like nobody cares (laughs) about what I want to talk about so (laughs) yes yes but no you're totally right like that was like when I learned about Backgrid and now it's like every single picture I see is like from Backgrid and like just It just all of a sudden like all kind of clicks in. Yeah, that's that's me. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk about some super fun topics today. We're going to talk about the Selling Sunset reunion. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, Britney Spears and Hilary Duff. They both posed nude uh, this week and we're going to discuss some of the differences between the public opinion. And then... 
Joe Alwyn in GQ, and then you're going to nominate a Pettyweight Champion of the Week and then share this week in Petty Story. Let's get into it. The Selling Sunset reunion, I feel like came, like, I, like we just talked about how the the news cycle goes so quickly. I feel like the reunion came late and people are like done talking about it. That's how fast this stuff moves. That and I feel like people thought it wasn't juicy enough or it was kind of boring or I, I saw a lot of uh, feedback about how Tan, bless his heart, he did try his best, but he is no Andy Cohen where he can really like push these people in a corner and make them answer these questions. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I, I thought he did a lot better than I thought he was going to. And it's, but it still like didn't cut it for me because like, I think I watched that Friday and then that Monday, the summer house reunion came out and I know you don't watch summer house, but it was like an explosive reunion. And I was like, there's just nobody better than Andy for this, uh, I know I feel like he should he should have like a protege he probably does yeah (laughs) that's a that's a good question um he yeah he should have someone that he's like training like pass the baton because I'm pretty sure like you I know I can tell it's funny we can all see when Andy's has had it up to here (laughs) you know where it's just like this guy is so sick of these women like he needs a break sometimes too However rotted he is or not, he needs a break. (laughs) Yes, yes. Oh my God, yes. So some of the highlights for me, well, okay, let's let's actually start with a low light. Christine not being there obviously is like the biggest loss Selling Sunset could ever have because she is the star of the show. She is the star of the show. And I, I don't know, I feel like she's calculating. So she definitely has a reason to not show up to the reunion. I don't think she's definitely fired, but I don't think she's going to be out of the show selling sunset to be quite honest. No. So apparently she was talking in interviews and stuff and she with her husband has started her own broker. I believe it. <laughs> and yeah. And that they're going to kind of do like a war of the brokerages on the next season. See, we totally got set up. <laughs> Oh, 100%. And it's like, oh, that makes sense. Like, no one wants to film with Christine. Let's just give her... Her own show. Like, another... (laughs) Yes. Kate, did you watch The City? With Whitney? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. It was, like, in season two of that show. I feel like this is a deep cut. (laughs) Like, like after the first season, no one wanted to film with Olivia Palermo. So they just gave her, like, a whole... It was like two shows in one. Like she had a whole storyline and a whole show within Whitney's show. And they just didn't even cross paths. And I feel like that's going to be Selling Sunset season six. That sucks because I do remember the whole Olivia problem because her cousin didn't even show up on the second season. And it was like everyone loved yes. him in the first one. And like they never showed where she lived in the first season. They showed her apartment and everything like she definitely laid some rules down after season one because she, like Christine, probably got a lot of heat, didn't like it, and probably doubled down on how she wanted to be filmed or edited on the show. Yeah, and back then, I feel like she would probably be like, oh my gosh, this is 
social suicide for my career aspects. But now Christine, like many villains before her, there's like a blueprint. So she knows she can double down on being a villain and still succeed in this like world of fame. Whereas like, I don't think Olivia knew that. So yeah, it's really interesting what's going to happen next, but I'm still, I'm still in it for the whole, I know it's so lame, but like, I love the Emma and Christine, like, cause there's history there and it's never going away. I can tell with Christine, it looks like she holds, she holds in a lot, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, she holds in a grudge. That's what I mean. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see more of her story between the women, especially now that she's going to be fighting against them. Like they're going to be competitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. I also enjoy Emma like as a TV character, but I honestly think she doesn't get enough flack for like being a mean girl. So I saw that you wrote that down that Emma is a villain and I tried, yes. I don't know if I'm, if I'm not seeing her correctly, but I was like, I don't, is it because she doesn't really say what she says on confessionals to Christine in her face? Yeah, I just feel like, and maybe it's because she has, like you said, real beef with Christine that she's just like not even willing to entertain it. But I think Christine is like a mean girl, like obviously for sure. But I feel like some of the things she says is her lashing out because she's like deeply insecure and like wounded as like a person and not saying that excuses her like behavior but I feel like it's frustrating how like I feel like Mary and Heather um they totally get it yeah yes and like are willing to like sometimes kind of work with her a little bit more in their relationship but I feel like Emma and Chriselle and maybe again because Chriselle had no relationship with her beforehand and Emma has this interesting tangled relationship with her that they're just like not willing to do anything and that they end up kind of being mean like when they're gossiping about her it's also like kind of out of malice and like seems really like mean-spirited but they don't get the same flack that Christine does oh yeah I think it's because Christine's a little harsher than the other girls and the other girls come off a little softer than Christine yeah but I'm like with Chriselle and stuff I'm like is that softness even real like it seems fake to me so I'm like I I almost like prefer like Christine you know what you're gonna get where I feel like Emma and Chriselle are the type of mean girls where it's like really like behind the scenes and stuff. Fortunately, knowing how LA is, I feel like that is an LA thing where everyone is literally nice to everyone in front of their face, but like they'll like talk crap about them behind their back, but they're still friends with them. It's definitely a California thing for sure too. (laughs) Um, Cause like East coast me is always like, no, I'm going to tell them how I feel. And like, I don't need to talk to that person ever again. And over here it's like, no, you we're around these people. So we have to like be cordial and blah, blah, blah. And um, just that attitude alone with the girls, I'm like, Oh, they're so LA. Like even Mary where she's like, you know, like it's okay. 
<laughs> totally. Yeah, 100%. You know where you stand with Christine and with the other girls. I feel like you would always be guessing where you like stand with yeah. them. The other big like storyline was Jason and Chrishell and Jason was getting like super, super emotional. What did you think of all that? That was weird, especially Brett getting emotional. I was like, why is Brett getting emotional? Like he was always fighting with them. I feel like throughout the season for attention, at least. Um, I don't know. It was just weird. That's all I can say about it. I can't generally because they're so icy, the twins. I never there's like no emotion towards them so it was weird to see emotion I mean like everyone's different so maybe the whole Chrishell and Jason thing was real you know yeah it was surprising to see so much emotion from them because you're right they like act like you know playboys in the show which is so funny I read more about their background and like they have a really interesting like upbringing. Like it sounds like they went to like kind of one of those like juvenile like delinquent Ooh. camps um, and w- was doing like manual labor instead of like school and stuff. It, wow. it seems really They should join weird, Paris so. Hilton's like gang. Yes. <laughs> it reminded me of Paris Hilton's um, experiences. Yeah. Exactly. So it was just interesting that to learn more about their background and kind of see how they turned out that way. Well, finding out from Mary that they used to be lawyers before they became realtors. I was like, I want to hear more about that because we don't, we, I know, I know those shows about the women, but it's the Oppenheimer group. Like it's their name on it. And I want to know more about them too. I would, I feel like Adam DeVillo is probably stirring something up with that story right there. It'll probably come out in season eight. If we're also watching Selling Sunset, you know? Yes, yes. I agree, though, because I didn't know this also, but the Oppenheim group has been a brokerage since, like, the fucking, like, 1800s or something. Like, it's been, like, 100 years in the family or whatever. I was like, I'm like, that stuff kind of stuff is, like, really interesting. So they come off robotish to me sometimes. Yes. Oh, my God, Yes. I still believe that their relationship was like 100% fake. I was like, it just, like, for me, I'm just like, if a relationship literally starts and ends conveniently in the course of a t- television season, I just cannot get Yeah, no, that's, that's very true. Yeah, the whole story of like, what really bothers me is that they broke up because she wanted kids, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I don't want to sound mean. I feel like she's just having fun with G Flip right now. I I don't know their story. They they're probably super in love and they do probably talk about having kids, but like that's a fast rebound for me. <laughs> yes, it was a little bit whiplashy. And then for me, what put it into context is I was like, okay, this did happen. Their relationship ended like over six months ago. And then you're right. Like, I does G Flip seem like the person that wants to like settle down and start a family right now? No, they seem like they're like living their best rock star. Oh, life. such a rock star! I love it. <laughs> right? I know. I was like, okay, good for Krishal. But I was thinking, I was like, I feel like women in particular put so much pressure. Like, 
again, you don't watch Summer House. Sorry for all no, these. No, I feel like I know a lot just because I see it on my feet all the time, and I'm like, I gotta get into yes. the show. And I know you've said it before, where you're like, you gotta start in season three because one and two are not that great. Yes. So I, I, it's on my to do list. I'm gonna watch. <laughs> okay, okay, good. But there's a character on that TV show who is like in her late 30s maybe even 40 now at this point and has talked about wanting kids and talked about you know the timeline like oh I I would have to get into a relationship we'd have to you know date for two years then we'd have to get married and then we have to get kids and I feel like Chriselle was kind of on that trajectory and I feel like maybe she was just putting so much pressure on herself and she's just like I feel like she was just like maybe I need to stop putting pressure on myself yeah. and again just have fun or explore this part of my sexuality that I haven't before and maybe put kids on the back burner and she did say she did some like egg harvesting mm-hmm. it sounds like so I'm like maybe she has built more time or or considered like maybe this is the ideal that she's like gone to therapy and like yeah. <laughs> and like realized that like other forms like of having a kid like adoption or surrogacy are just as legitimate as like having a baby herself or I don't know I don't know that's obviously a really hard difficult pill to swallow but yeah I was like oh this is really whiplashy and then I was like okay I need to put this into like context I feel like we kind of know Chriselle because the first season she really did show us her vulnerability with the divorce I I completely agree with you where she's probably like you know I'm putting so much pressure I don't want to be too serious you know like I need to loosen up and yeah I can totally and she was G Flip just happened to be there when she was in that moment you know and yeah and I wonder if that like again maybe if the relationship between her and Jason was real maybe she was like yeah part of the reason why we broke up is I was so like one track mind about having a kid and it just put too much pressure on the relationship so in my next one I want it to come up like more naturally but like I completely get you know just because of the way that we're socialized and stuff like that that you would you just have so much pressure to have a kid if that by a certain age if that's what you yeah now I feel like I'm getting set up because now knowing the whole Christine thing, I feel like is the whole Chriselle Jason thing a setup for a later season to come, you know, for another plot twist? I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know. To be quite honest. I think when I watched the season, and I don't think I've said this because I think it's taken me a while to realize this, I think when I realized that no one was willing to film with Christine this season that they were like and they probably were realized that when they were doing like contract negotiations I feel like they were like okay we we need a secondary storyline because literally what is this show nowadays without the Christine drama so they're like okay we can set Jason and Chriselle up like that would be and they can just date for you know three months while they film and then they can break up at the end of the season so I feel like they did bring real emotion to some of their scenes like especially at the end but then I was thinking I was like I don't think it would be hard to conjure those emotions when Jason also probably feels 
like emotional about other maybe other relationships that have ended that way or like if he's dated women that have wanted a family in the past and he doesn't and same with Chriselle and and wanting a family so I'm like I'm sure that there's some authenticity in their words but I don't think it's because they were in a real relationship yeah I I don't think the kid was a deal breaker quite honest yeah (laughs) What did you think of Maya's reaction to Chriselle and G? Okay, so Maya's my favorite, and I loved it because it was a totals mom reaction. (laughs) You know, (laughs) just like trying to calculate all this information in her head because she was she was literally lost. She was like, "I didn't know about this." Like that's a really bad Mm -hmm. Maya impersonation. I just love her (laughs) so much because she is the only true non-reality star um character in that cast you know she she's the only one that can go up against christine i don't know why where like Mm -hmm. she can literally give christine back what christine gives out you know but i feel like it was pretty much the rest of america's reaction because i didn't i found out in the reunion i did see photos like of her hanging out with g flip in march or something and I'm such a creep. I went on G Flip's Instagram and Chriselle's house is so distinct. Like I already know. Uh, there was pictures from like February in Chriselle's house. <laughs> I'm such a creep. I'm oh sorry. I'm revealing God. myself. But I was like, wow, this has been going that's on for a long so time. Funny. Yeah. So like that's that's when I was like, okay, so it can be real. But yeah, and Maya's reaction was basically everyone's reaction in America at least I was doing the same face too because I was like wait didn't don't you want kids like okay you're just having fun I guess whatever makes you happy I'm happy for you yeah oh my god and I feel like the producers just knew that it was like such an insane reaction that they just kept cutting back to her and yeah I felt really bad for her because obviously you want to put your like best foot forward and she you're right like she just the wheels were turning (laughs) in her head so quickly just like trying to figure out what's going on and I did feel bad that I was like oh you're like really out of the loop like this is supposed to be your friend and you like don't know who they're dating so did you feel a little cringy though when Maya and Chelsea were going at it about how to dress as a realtor Yes, because I was like, no, I was like of two minds. I was like, A, no one wears what they wear. Like they're wearing club attire to the office and to the, to the showings because it's a TV show. So I have like filed it away. Oh, this is a TV show. So they're wearing clothes that they wouldn't normally wear. And Maya just like didn't get that memo. (laughs) And then there's a another part of me that it's like what Chelsea was saying where she was like they are buying into the LA package and this is part of that like dream and um you know vision that the the buyers have and I was like yeah that's probably also true and also like dress codes are so archaic and usually affect women more than men or whatever and like they're it's classist and whatever all of that shit but I also get what Maya is saying too she mentions that she's like we're the only really really um 
Really, like brokerage that does yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, like the number one um, woman who actually sells doesn't dress like you, kind of thing. Yes, exactly. So I was like, that also makes sense. Did you watch Selling Tampa? Yes, I did. I saw it, but like literally, it came and went. It didn't really get the traction that I thought it was gonna get. Same, and because it was around Christmas time, I literally like it's literally gone from my mind. But if I do remember correctly, they wore nice outfits, but they weren't like what they were wearing in LA. No, it, it, but they were wearing like club attire sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. It's so funny. But yeah, I don't, so I don't, I don't know whose side I'm on. I feel like I'm kind of like neutral because it's like I get where they're both coming from. It was like, a boomer versus a millennial you know yes, of like how yes. people should be dressed nowadays when they go for like an interview Ugh, I remember my mom telling yes. me like after an interview you have to keep calling them you have to keep calling them yeah. and it's like no that's done like so I, I did yes, see Maya's yeah. point and then I also saw Chelsea's point where it's like well it's a whole new generation like Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah, she is just the boomer of the group. Like again, even her reaction to Chriselle dating yeah, Flip. It was. Just like, I'm like, I'm like, girl, like get your jaw off the ground. <laughs> like Yes. Oh my God, so funny. Um, speaking of like double standards, we wanted to talk about Britney versus Hillary Duff. Not versus. I don't want to like pit them against each other yet. The, yeah, pit them <laughs> against each other. But I guess the just the public reaction was different for the two of them so Britney Spears posted new photos on her Instagram she was like completely nude with um you know her hands over her breasts and then like a emoji covering everything else and then literally like the next day Hilary Duff posted her women's health cover and she was also fully nude and the comments on Britney's Instagram were like so rude saying that she should like not be doing this and it's trashy and all of these things. And then the comments on Hillary Duff's post were like, you know, you go girl. She's breaking the mold. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like she's brave. Like, look at this, like all of this stuff. Uh, What did you think of this you know discrepancy between the two uh reactions from the public well it got me a little upset and I felt like I almost got tricked into like getting mad at Hillary Duff you know (laughs) when really I should be mad at the magazine Women's Health for pivoting Hillary Duff this way and also TMZ because they were the same um production that basically called out Britney Spears and then literally an hour later they talked about Hillary Duff like in her amazing photo shoot I feel bad for Britney Spears because she's I feel like she's discovering the world again you know like because she's been we don't know what she went through but it's been a very traumatic thing for her and honestly when I see her Instagram post it reminds me of like my mom was like super into (laughs) Instagram and she posts everything like in anything yes um and that's the vibe I get from Britney and honestly if she had a photographer or better lighting or like you know what like a whole photo shoot studio people wouldn't be talking 
trash about Britney the way they are right now. Yeah, 100%. So when you mentioned the way that women's health um, kind of framed the Hillary Duff combo, is that like because they were talking about like how radical it was for her to like her body when her body is like literally the beauty standard? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's no offense to Hillary because like we all have our issues with, you know, our bodies of our like being our own skin. So like I completely get that. That's why I was like, they're tricking me into wanting to hate Hillary Duff when really I should be mad at GQ, like of GQ, Women's Health for her Mm -hmm. like asking these questions and then like trying to show us that like this is the new body standard or like we should all be body positive and it's like but you're literally saying that and then talking about Britney Instagram posts of when she's trying to show body positivity as well yeah 100% and again it's just this policing of Britney's body that has happened for over 20 years have we not learned anything (laughs) yeah like it's so wild to me that the Free Britney movement got so much coverage and how she was treated by like Diane Sawyer and David Letterman and the public and the fucking church and like literally just everyone who just wanted to police her being like a sexual being and like all of this shit. So it's like, didn't we learn anything from any of that? Like it's just happening again. And FYI... Hillary Duff is 34. I did not like how they kind of aged her in the article too. I know she's been in the, in like the media for like over 20 years. She's a child actress. You know what I mean? It's like, it gets me, things like that gets me upset. Cause like the whole Olivia Rodrigo just setting an example where there was an article about like what, what skin routine Olivia Rodrigo has. And it's like, yeah, she's 18. Like, I'm not going to follow her skincare routine. Like, it's completely different. Like, it's aged out. But, like, it's kind of, it gave me ageist kind of vibes and, like, the total opposite of what it was supposed to be for Hillary Duff. Like, good for her. The photos look amazing. She looks yeah. hot. Yes. But the interview itself, I was just like, no, this this isn't a great interview. <laughs> Yeah, totally. And then it was really interesting because it was like she was talking about prepping for the magazine cover and she was like, I worked out like crazy for a month and like changed my diet. And I was like, well, then (laughs) this stuff fucking matters. Like I, I am so, I'm so confused. I just truly, truly am. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I know our diet culture is so messed up. It's so funny to hear everybody's takes on Karda- like Kim Kardashian's like weight loss for her to get on the Monroe dress. And it's just like, yeah, I remember 15 years ago when I was in high school, I laughed it off saying I'm going to take laxatives before prom because I wanted to lose weight. <laughs> like, And that was so normal oh to God, say, yes. you know, it was in a Drew Barrymore movie and that's where I got it from. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. One of my girlfriends before prom we call it just like grad in Canada so like in in grade 12 did like that diet that was like water lemon cayenne pepper and like a teaspoon of honey 
(laughs) everyone knows it and she like I was at her house and she fainted it was so fucked up and then I remember I was sick before my high school grad and I was stoked because I wasn't eating yeah it was so wild so it's just this insidious like yeah messaging and like it was part of the culture back then. Like. Permissive, yes, this permissive attitude for these things to happen that like some of, sometimes I like you don't even bat an eye when, yeah, Kim Kardashian says that she lost 16 pounds in three weeks to fit into this dress and, and some people, yeah, that's just so normalized. So we, we kind of know, I guess, like some of the underlying reasons of why the public opinion was different for Britney Spears and Hillary Duff, but like do you think that there's anything else like is it because Hillary's like an actress and Britney Spears is like a pop star like do you think there's other factors like is it because she posted it herself and one's like I mean Hillary Duff is very likable it's crazy for me to find out all because like there's blind items on Hillary Duff that you can read on that surprised me because she does she is that squeaky clean Disney star and like I forget that she went out with Benji. Was it Benji from? Yeah, Madden. Yeah, yeah. and she was always in the scene when it when it came to like the party, like do party time. You know, she was there too. So I just think that Britney always gets a bad rep, and Hillary Duff because she is squeaky clean. Like I said, um, yeah, it's complete. It's like the angel and the devil kind of comparison. Yeah. Before we move on, I think just. The other thing that came out in the news is that Britney and Sam lost their baby this week. And so I just wanted to mention that since we're talking about Britney and just like so, so sad because I know that this is something she's wanted for a really long time and just wishing them all the best. And hopefully um, there's like no complications and they can try again or do whatever they want to to heal and and move forward in this type of situation same yeah our hearts go to Britney all the time yeah absolutely so you suggested to me that we talk about Joe Alwyn and GQ why now I was like so fascinated I'm so glad that you mentioned this to me so I've never heard him talk I've never (laughs) seen the favorite (laughs) I've I only know him as Taylor Swift's accessory Yes. I know him to be as William Bowery, too, because that came out later. Um, Taylor outed him out that he helped out in a song with Bon Iver, I think, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I always found him to be attractive, but I was like, but he's, you know, British and like we don't really us Americans don't know him. North America, like North America, don't know anything about him. And reading the article surprised me. The fact that he had he was in a cover band that <laughs> sang Marilyn Manson and Corn covers. I want to hear that. Um, yes. Second was, of course, like I told you, the GQ interview where he goes through, I think it's 15 or 10 items. Yes. And he goes through them one by one and basically talks about why he loves these important items and that's where he really grabbed my attention because I was like wow he's so serious when he talks like he looks like a very interesting person and now I I totally get what Taylor's why Taylor Swift has been hiding him because he is so charismatic 
And yeah, there's a reason why Taylor has been keeping her man in a hole. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. So I'm so glad that you got me to read this because there was no way in hell and watch the video because there's no way in hell I would have done that <laughs> if you didn't mention it. But I totally agree. I don't think I was like as blown away per se, but I completely agree. So the YouTube video came with the article for GQ mm -hmm. and yeah, it shows like his 10 like can't live without items and he was so cute and thoughtful and like you could tell he's like I don't know like cultured like he just seemed kind of like worldly I don't know but he like collects lighters collects lighters and here's a little um what do they call what do they I'm not a T I'm not a T Swift fan I feel like in a decade I will because my daughter already sings look what you made me do <laughs> you know what I mean so I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna be a Swifty in a decade but um if you he talks about a watch yes zoom in on the watch the watch is timed to 4 13 and Taylor Swift's album came out on April 13th this couple is messing with us okay like they know what they're doing and I'm totally in for it I'm in. Yeah, he totally, <laughs> he totally plays into her games, I think, too. There was a quote from the article that said that they chose to keep their relationship private and hoped that the intrigue would wear off. And I was like, isn't that like usually the opposite is when we're, you're mysterious, we want to know more. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's I feel like that's classic Taylor Swift. She knows what um, she's doing. She Yes. She knows that like she can use her relationship to advance her like career cuz that's what she's known for. So the title of the article is Joe Alwyn is about to be very famous and there's nothing he can do about it. And then the tagline is with lead roles in the Sally Rooney adaptation, conversations with friends and Claire Dennis's new film there may be nothing the notoriously low-key actor and Grammy-winning songwriter can do about becoming deeply, irrevocably famous, which I think is just so interesting because everyone has always said he's with Taylor for the fame and the, the parts, and um, then people were like, well, that can't be happening because he's not getting parts and he's not famous. But now it's all coming together. Yeah. Was he with Taylor Swift when he did the movie The Favorite with Olivia Coleman and Emma Stone? Because that movie came out, what, in 2016 or 17? I'm not. So they've been together for five years. Wow. I'm so out of. Guys, I'm not a T-Swift fan, so <laughs> I did not know that. I literally thought it started during the pandemic, but five years. It's like, yeah. no. This is yeah. Taylor Swift's longest relationship, guys. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, they're like serious. That's why people think that they're like engaged or married or whatever. Because yeah, they've been together for a really long time. I'm not sure if they were together during that movie. Because he did have some smaller roles and stuff beforehand for sure. Like he was, like this article is saying, kind of on the cusp of great fame, I guess. So it was just really interesting. And then he does talk about the 
William Bowery pseudonym, he says that William is his great-grandfather's name and then Bowery is an area of New York he likes. So I'm wondering if it's if he's talking about the Bowery Ballroom. So the Bowery Ballroom is a venue in New York City and it's actually one of my favorite venues because a lot of, um, like I saw the Get Up Kids there. I saw LCD Sound System there. Um, it's just a prominent music venue scene in New York City. So that's where my mind went. Um, I was like, wow, I wonder if he, he must love music that much that he's gone to the Bowery in New York City. Yes, and that is a prominent Taylor Swift location too. Is I it, did not know that. <laughs> is it within a hotel? Um, I'm hotel trying to remember. Gosh, you're taking me back to like my teens and early 20s <laughs> when I was like wasted all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, it, like the entry of like the Barry's just, it's in, it's a huge spot. I'm not sure if it's a hotel, but no, it's definitely not a hotel. Maybe I'm wrong. It's been so long. I'm aging myself by saying that, but um, no, it is a huge, it's a great venue. It, it yeah. makes sense. And I didn't know that she even played there or maybe she has seen shows there for sure. When she lives in New York. <laughs> yes, yes. I think regardless if of whatever it is, I think it's a location she hangs out with a lot. But I think, again, that was, like, kind of tied to her, like, Carly Kloss relationship. So I don't know. There's all this, uh. like, yeah, kind of intrigue around the Bowery. But fascinating. Um, and, yeah, he talks a little bit about how he became a Grammy-winning songwriter with um, – creating the melody in the first verse of the song Exile, um, which is really interesting. And then at the end of the article, I thought it was interesting. He said that he has come off as guarded in the past, but it's just because he's British and private, but he doesn't want to seem guarded. He wants to seem more, I guess, like authentic and stuff. So or transparent, I guess. So, I mean, yeah, I, so I got that off the GQ video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, he really yeah. did pull me in when I, honestly, I saw the GQ video and I was like, oh, I, I'll hear him speak. Like, I've never seen this guy. Like, I want to know what Taylor sees in him. And I see it and I see why she's been hiding him because this guy seems like a true gem. And like, as we know, with past relationships, PR or not with Taylor Swift, they don't really end always that well. <laughs> yeah, I I will say I was rooting for him more than I thought I would ever, because you're right, like he was really well spoken. His items were like interesting, like it seems like he has some cool interests and yeah he, it seems like he does live a really low-key life and I think they said like North London or something like that so yeah I'm excited to see kind of where his career takes him next well we're him and Taylor's career because it, yes. like, it looks like to me they really come off as like a power couple we're gonna 100 we're gonna see more grammy awards nominated for joe we're gonna see yeah. probably a collaboration of making a film like a rom-com i would love that like i just oh my god really yeah. see them as like you know 
the next Hollywood couple star. And as much as they don't want to be the next Hollywood couple star, like, I'm sorry, we've given you that position now that we've heard your man talk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I wish that they would do a film like when Taylor Taylor Lautner. No, I was thinking (laughs) of like Valentine's Day or whatever. (laughs) I was thinking like an all too well with a mix of a Valentine's Day. Like I think those two together for sure. Okay, I like that so much better. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. I Or like maybe he's in a film and she writes like a song for the film or something like that. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah. I was like low-key rooting against, not rooting against him, but like I just didn't get it, but I, I get it now. No, we all, because I've even seen it, like I guess it's been like five, yeah, five years ago. I've seen a lot of Swifties just holding their guard against Joe. You know, or like have, I've seen some hate against Joe because they don't know anything about him. So that's all they can do. And I'm just like. That's true. That's true. As soon as you get to know someone more, you kind of lose those preconceived notions of who they are. And yeah, I, that literally happened to me during this video. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you changed your mind. And I think he has a good team with him. Mm -hmm. Joe, how great of a guy he really is and not. I guess he was told that he was arrogant for him to come out and say that I'm not as guarded as people think that I am. Like, so he probably does get a lot of flack. And I thought it was really interesting. Um, And then we can move on. (laughs) (laughs) But um, in the interview, the written one, um, he was, they were like walking down a path or something and he was carrying or like towing along his suitcase because he was running for a train afterwards. And I was like, that seems really like down to earth or like, I don't know, that just seems really normal versus like, oh, like you must meet me here. Like I like in my hotel room or like, let's just do it over the phone or like whatever. It was like really, yeah, I liked that. Yeah. He doesn't come off as like, I've met a lot of actors and actresses in the film industry and literally it's put a bad taste on my mouth on how I view actors and actresses so seeing him talk I was like oh he's not that type of actor yeah (laughs) that I've I've met a billion times yeah like he didn't have his like assistant or like some bodyguard or driver take his bags or whatever like it seemed like he was like taking public transit and stuff and I was like oh that's kind of cool yeah and he's rolling with t-swift money so yeah he's got it in the bag yeah 100 <laughs> percent. that's exactly what I was thinking okay it is now time for you to nominate your pettyweight champion of the week Vanessa who are you nominating so I am nominating the succession actor star he's not really a star but we all know him on babe the movie babe james cromwell that'll do pig he super glued his hand at a manhattan starbucks for a dramatic protest because he thinks people who order oat or almond milk are being punished by the cost being charged more for an alternative Um, He thinks Starbucks are discriminating towards those who can't have dairy. So he brings PETA along as well into this whole mess, saying that they are environmentally conscious customers for choosing plant milk. This man is 82 years old. (laughs) 
82? He's 82 years old. He did end up getting his hand off super glued and all by cops, of course. The store had to shut down while this whole fiasco was going down. And yeah, they had to get a knife to pry his hand off. I don't know. Like, that's pretty petty. Like, you have how much money, sir? And you're complaining about upcharges of oat milk (laughs) and almond milk. Get your own milk. Do your own coffee. That's so funny. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm, like, worried. I feel like when you're in your 80s, your skin is so fragile. I'm, like, worried (laughs) for it's, like, a hand. That's so true. And like border not borderline senile like is he okay you know that's so funny okay so I feel like in Canada maybe I'm wrong because I drink like dairy milk when I go like sometimes I'll get almond milk but generally I just drink dairy milk I feel like we don't have those upcharges I feel like it's the same cost um for any type of milk well I don't go to Starbucks but I do go to this one place that I get my smoothie at and yeah they do upcharge for almond and oat milk but they won't for whole milk and I'm like okay whatever but (laughs) it doesn't really bother me to the point where I'm gonna super glue my hand to the counter and demand Starbucks to stop charging conscious environmental customers you know (laughs) yeah 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 that's kind of that's wild um is he known to do other like protesty things? Not that I know of. That's why I was like, is he okay? Like, <laughs> does he have, he must have a lot of time in his hand for him to be really pissed off about this, you know? Yeah, yeah. I do. So, okay. So the part of me that's like, yeah, if you have like an allergy, it's good. Like, you shouldn't have to pay because you have an allergy to dairy milk. Oh, yeah, I I kind of agree with him, but, like, the way he went delivered about, about it. it? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I feel like I would lead with the allergy and intolerance route, not the environmental PETA route. Yeah, exactly. Um, he should have had, like, a good team to, like, you know, Plan announce about this, have self-awareness, you know, but the way yeah. he went about it, I was like, dude, we could have gone another route. <laughs> was the coffee cup filled with hot coffee? Well, he just like went in the store and super glued oh. his hand like right away and like like it was 1970. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like so I don't funny. know. I just hope that he's okay and somebody's checking on him. Like I hope his family is like there for him while he's going through whatever he's going through. <laughs> I love how he's like, I'm gonna this is the hill I'm gonna die on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I want I stop the charges, please. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. Honestly, I'm a little petty as well. I went to Starbucks yesterday and I added cold foam to the top of my latte. It was a fucking dollar. Wow. Yeah. I was no. like, that's a quarter of the drink. So I'm with that. Yeah, no, I I have to agree with him, but at the same time I'm just like I wish you didn't have to super glue your hand, man. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't whip out my pocket uh, super glue yesterday. Yeah, and, and uh, do do anything to protest. I was like, <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> I'll pay fucking six dollars for this grande latte. Yeah, it's crazy how much. 
literally the smoothie is like seven dollars and because I add like stuff to it it comes out to 11 bucks and I'm like oh my god like this is my treat for like the week (laughs) yeah literally literally oh my god so crazy yeah okay what about your this week and petty what are you petty about this week so I had I guess I'm kind of petty about Stassi's wedding Mm mm-hmm I may have been the only one that did not like her wedding dress. Mind you, a little backstory, guys. I'm getting eloped in September. So like me looking up at weddings and being petty about it is like my thing now, I guess. Yes, that's <laughs> what you've yes, um, turned into. Love that. But yeah, um, I follow Christina Kelly, who was in Vanderpump Rules. She has, I also, I'm like so creepy. I follow her. I have her chapstick from her brand Heartspring. I love Christina Kelly. She was in the wedding. So that's how I got to see a lot of Stassi's behind the scenes wedding because she was uploading it on her Instagram story. Uh, The wedding looked really small, which I wasn't surprised because I really don't think Stassi has a lot of friends. (laughs) <laughs> yeah okay. uh Kristen Dowdy wasn't there Sheena wasn't there Lala wasn't there the only two people that were there from the Vanderpump cast was Tom Schwartz and Katie mm-hmm. which is already like I wish we had some tea on how that whole like environment was um I'm petty because this is a perfect example that cancel culture doesn't exist she's still popular yes. she has her second book it came out this year um yeah, and also a little fun fact to not be like a downer. The guy who did Chriselle's hair for the reunion also did Stassi's hair for her whole wedding weekend in Rome. So Oh, interesting. So yeah. they share maybe a stylist. Right? But yeah, I I used to love Stassi so much, but now seeing that privileged side and I'm seeing it more and I was just like I just can't believe she's still popular and relevant. I actually want to see how her book sales did. I should find that. Yes. I saw <laughs> um the on the New York like best sellers list. She was on it, but Are you there serious? was like Yes, but guess what? There was like a dagger icon and apparently if there's a dagger icon, it means that the company Bought the books. Bought the books. That's something Megan McCain should have done. Um, I don't know if you heard. (laughs) Only 244 copies of her books sold. Are you serious? More people listen to this fucking podcast than that. (laughs) Yeah. um... Yes, I agree. And I was really surprised just because... A destination wedding in Italy seems like such a big, like, superstar move. And I was like, does she have superstar money? That's what I'm saying. Like, I know her family from New Orleans It comes from old money. Mm. So I don't know. And, like, I can't believe Bo is still with her. I mean, like, I know why, but, like, still, like, just the news that's coming out about her now she's still the same person she came out saying that she wishes she didn't apologize for her whole uh race comment mm-hmm. um which is just like what you you were going back on what you said then like it just shows that 
And honestly, I have this deep gut feeling that she's going to come back. And if she doesn't come back, she will come back years later as probably a housewife or some sort of like Bravo connection or other TV network um, thing. I don't see think that this is the last that we'll be seeing her. And I keep proving myself right by her book <laughs> and like this wedding, you know. Yeah, I heard that there was a TV show possibly in the works on Bravo called Vanderpump Valley. And I, yeah. Like, yeah, follow the stars that had kids. And I think that it was kiboshed, but I don't know why. But I was like, they should definitely try to do that because that's the only way that they're going to like continue to make money. But you're right. I guess they really haven't fallen out of favor too much. So no, it's, it's crazy for me to see even like black indigenous people of color, like rooting her on. And I'm like, do you not know that she like talks shit about us? I'm Latina. My mom's Colombian. My dad's Ecuadorian. Um, so yeah, I, I used to be a Stassi fan and like, I'm totally like disgusted. <laughs> yeah, well, if you're not into the, if you just watch the show verbatim and you don't dive into all of these background stuff, sometimes you don't know yeah. how awful these people are. Mm-hmm. And then you end up rooting for them and then you're like, oh, like I shouldn't have done that at all. <laughs> yeah. I I did like her wedding dress. I thought it was really, you know, princess fairy tale but... I thought that she should have worn her hair. I think her hair was down. And I was like, I feel like you should have pulled it back for because it was like off the shoulder. Yeah. I was like, I feel like when it's off the shoulder, you want to like display your shoulders. Yeah. No, she collarbone. So she had a rehearsal dinner dress and a wedding dress. And the rehearsal wedding dress was way gorgeous. I, I think that's the one you saw. She had her hair down. Yeah. And the second, um, the day of the wedding, is the one that I don't like because it's like poofy and I don't know it just it's not my type of dress I I didn't think it was pretty but yeah she does have her hair tied back and then yeah she should have gone with the rehearsal dress dinner yeah yeah it's so weird how sometimes that happens like well a lot of people said that about Meghan Markle and then People were saying that about Kylie Jenner at the Met. Yeah. After party look was a lot better than the red carpet look, um, which is, yeah, just interesting of what people end up choosing. Yeah. I mean, good for her, I guess, but I'm pretty petty that she had a destination wedding. And (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know. I was like, this is like bougie for, I feel like. But it did look small so it could yes, have been yes. that expensive yes, you know? yes. I love I love when I was like oh I'm jelly that she's in Rome and then I'm like well she yeah it is small like, like you just have <laughs> and to like Rome like I just want Tuscany it. or something better yeah like, like Lake Como or something yeah like exactly <laughs> god that's so funny yeah oh I'm still god. petty about it but it's okay <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. I can't wait to have you again back on. uh, Yes, anytime. Where can the listeners find you and anything else you want to plug? Yeah, so my Instagram for the podcast is Best Week Ever Podcast. And you can find our podcast wherever you stream your podcast or wherever you listen to Tori as well. Uh, You will find me there, Best Week Ever Podcast. I invite guests 
we have hot takes on who has best and worst week and we just have like a lot of fun it's really light it's we do get heavy sometimes but I like to keep it nice and breezy (laughs) yeah yeah same I'm like I kind of like to weave in some you know commentary but Mm -hmm. like I'm trying to keep it breezy but I'm like fuck it's hard nowadays to keep things light holy shit I know even when I try to be funny I'm like that's kind of dark it's not funny (laughs) yes oh my god same I'm like I've become such a serious person in the last couple years oh my gosh yeah (laughs) Anyways, that's for that's for a therapy session (laughs) down the line. (laughs) Okay, well, thanks for coming on. Thank you. And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much to Vanessa for joining me on today's episode. Like I said at the top of the show, the best way you can support my content is to follow me on socials at RTBP Podcast, subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this episode, and leave me a rating and review on Apple or Spotify. It helps the podcast find new listeners by climbing up those podcast charts. Uh, But more importantly, it's fun talking to you all. So if you have something that you want me to discuss next, or if you liked something in this episode, slide into my DMs. A lot of times you all, you know, point out stuff that I never thought of or send me breaking news and I absolutely love it. Okay, friends, I think that's all from me. I hope you are safe and healthy out there. As always, I'm your host, Tori, and I am ready to be petty. See you soon. Bye.